Welcome to the Lightshine Church Podcast. I'm Rob Douglas, the organizing pastor of Lightshine Church, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to our weekly message. Gracious God, we ask that you would meet us here in your word, that you would speak to us a word of hope in Christ's name. Amen. Well, from middle school through high school, there was probably no song that I sang more often than Pass It On. Pastor Roy Guerin would gather all the kids on a rectangular carpet and then pass out those old spiral-bound Young Life songbooks. He would sit at the front of the room on a chair and bust out his guitar leading a big group of kids in singing these words. Now I warn you, these are some of the cheesiest words ever written into a song, but here they are. And I'm not going to sing it for you. I actually debated. It only takes a spark to get a fire going. And soon all those around can warm up in the glowing. That's how it is with God's love. Once you've experienced it, you'll spread his love to everyone you'll want to pass it on. There's probably a few people listening right now that have actually sung this super corny song. We sang it in youth groups, at camps, and retreats, on mission trips. Like, I have these words memorized for 30 years. Today, it's actually one of those songs that Jeff and I would sit and debate whether we want to put the song into permanent retirement or keep it for a rare occasion. (laughs) Um, It's one of those songs that like, if I want to irritate my friends, which I admit is sometimes often, I might call them up and just start singing the first line of this song, knowing full well that it's going to be in their head the rest of the day, especially when they're trying to go to sleep. But when I read today's scripture passage, this song is what came to mind. We've already heard the first section of today's scripture reading came from 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 26 that Wendy just read. And the most unlikely of people at the most unlikely of times, the Apostle Paul, a persecutor of the early church, received this message of good news from the resurrected Christ. After he received it, there was only one thing for him to do, and he actually dedicated the rest of his life to doing this one thing. Paul had to pass it on, and pass it on is exactly what he did. The passing on of the faith is what Paul calls a work of first importance. Evidently, it's pretty important. We're going to try something right now. We're going to use those chat bars, okay? And we're going to answer a question on the chat bar. We're actually just going to take a minute to do this together. Who are the people in your life that passed it on to you? Who passed on Jesus or the story, uh, the gospel story to you? Let's go ahead and use that chat bar for a second. I'm curious to see uh, who those people, who those people are.
Okay, Jolene, I see that. Friends, parents and grandparents. Jim and Lori from Jeff. Yeah. Who else passed it on? Parents, pastors, Sunday school teachers from the Ridenauers, youth group leaders from Kessie and Dan. Small group leaders in high school, parents and friends, former mom and... Oh, Nick Valestrino, a stranger. I'd like to hear more about that, Nick. Hey, let's hang out afterwards. Parents and a brother. <laughs> Some weird guys named Steve A, Rob D, and Dale R. That's good. <laughs> Those are some weird guys, by the way. I agree. Especially that Dale R. guy. <laughs> yeah, so all of us have people that we can think of. It's really good to remember and to be thankful for those people that passed the tradition, the faith on to us. We should be remembering those people all the time. So we're going to listen in to the conclusion of today's reading as we listen for the good news. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 to 57, the conclusion of this chapter on the resurrection. And Paul writes, listen, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all die, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishability, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When this perishable body puts on imperishability, and this mortal body puts on immortality, then the saying that is written will be fulfilled. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is... Friends, the word of God. Thanks be to God. Today, as Dale already mentioned, is the seventh Sunday of the Easter season. It's a season that Christians are boldly proclaiming Jesus' resurrection and God's victory over death. First Corinthians is actually one of the earliest writings of the New Testament. And in it, Paul asserts his authority all over this letter. But the interesting thing is that he does so by leveraging the historical tradition that preceded him. In other words, he passes on what he had in turn received from others. And so the tradition that Paul refers to says that Jesus, after he was raised, first appeared to Cephas, Peter, then the twelve then to more than 500 brothers and sisters, then to James, Jesus's brother, and then all of the apostles. And last of all, you hear Paul's incredible humility when he says this. And last of all, Jesus chose to appear to Paul, formerly Saul. Paul had to work extra hard to overcome the fact that he was despised by the early Christians for his participation in the stoning of Stephen, the first Christian martyr. 
By the grace of God, Paul was a changed man. His new God-given vocation was a simple one, but it was also one that would ultimately, like many others in the first century, would ultimately cost him his life to pass on what he in turn had received from the resurrected Jesus and from the apostles who taught him Jesus's way. And so his message is surprisingly simple. Even I can memorize Paul's message. In accordance with the scriptures, Jesus died, Jesus was buried, and on the third day, Jesus was raised from the dead. It's one of Christianity's earliest creedal statements, a precursor to the Apostles' Creed that Christians recite all over the world on any given Sunday. And so this message that's being passed on by the apostles to the Corinthian church, Paul is attempting to unify this very diverse and divided group of people around a shared belief in Jesus. We've actually spent three weeks talking about the divisions uh, that existed in the Corinthian church because we can relate to those divisions today. We have a lot of parallels between the Corinthian church and what we are experiencing uh, with the increase of division today. But Paul genuinely believed that when they share what they shared in common was actually much stronger than the things that divided them. This is really important. What they shared in common, Paul truly believed was much stronger than the things that caused division. And so the gospel message is the great unifier among people of faith. And this is why we can and do welcome diversity at Lightshine Church when the core message of the gospel is agreed upon, that Jesus died, was buried, and was raised. This is what Paul was doing. Now, the 12 disciples had really struggled with all three aspects of this message. But the Corinthians live on the other side of Jesus' death and resurrection. They knew very well that Jesus was crucified and buried. Everyone in the first century believed that much. Many had witnessed it. Historians had documented it. But what about this resurrection thing? What does it mean for them. This is where Paul turned his attention. Now, if you ask 10 different people, what happens after you die? You will likely get 10 different answers. And sometimes that even includes Christians. I've seen videos of people going around asking people this question, and it's really interesting. So I picked one. In a promo interview for John Wick 3, all right? Just for those of us who know John Wick, this should already be funny. (laughs) Stephen Colbert asked this exact question to Keanu Reeves, who answered the question like this, quote, all the people who love you will miss you. He got a serious ovation for the answer, his answer to the question. He's not wrong. It's a, it's a solid answer for, for John Wick the third. 
He's not wrong with his answer. Our loved ones will certainly miss us. The question that Paul might ask to this answer is, but is there more? Is that all there is to the answer to that question, or is there more? The Corinthians were actually divided over resurrection. We've told you over the last couple of weeks, the Corinthians divided over everything. Some were saying that there was no resurrection of the dead. And so the whole of chapter 15 is written to counter this argument. Let's just take a look at the basics of Paul's case for the importance of resurrection. Wendy read this, and all of these things are pulled right out of the text that Wendy read. If there's no resurrection, then Jesus is just dead and buried. There's no third part to the message. If Jesus hasn't been raised, then our faith is futile. If Jesus hasn't been raised, then we have been misrepresenting God. If Jesus hasn't been raised, then we are still living in our sin. If Jesus hasn't been raised, then all those who have died before us are just really gone. And finally, he says, and really think about this one. If Jesus hasn't been raised, then we are a people to be pitied. After seeing this list, after hearing Paul make his case, how important is the resurrection to the Christian faith? Paul might answer that question by saying that it is everything. The entire Christian faith hinges on resurrection. If Jesus wasn't raised, we're a people to be pitied because we've gotten it all wrong. We've gotten God wrong. Thank God this is not where Paul leaves us. He leaves us not as a people to be pitied, but as a people who have a real, tangible hope grounded on the historical truth of resurrection. For he says, but in fact, Christ has been raised, the first fruits of those who have died. So the resurrection isn't Paul's new gospel, as some people have claimed. He's not reinventing the faith. All he's doing is he's carrying on the tradition of the apostles. It's the collective knowledge of Christian tradition, as there were many witnesses to this resurrection story. Paul's just the next link in the chain of a historical tradition. He simply passes on what he himself had witnessed firsthand and what had been shared with him by those who came before him. When we face death ourselves or the death of a loved one, we will work it out based on our own theology. So this stuff is extremely important pastoral work. The Christian message says the death is very real, but that it's not final. This is a truth that shapes us. It's rich and powerful, and ultimately, it's actually very practical. What is the future for those in Christ? The words first fruits is important here because what it says is that what happened to Jesus will happen for others. 
will happen for us. Our hope isn't based on vague sentiment, but it's based in scripture. We always see this. It's based on what actually really happened. We don't know all the details, but just here's a few things that we do know. As Jesus came bodily in what we call the incarnation, Jesus was also raised bodily. And so what does this say to us? And this is where I think this is really important. God cares about matter. The physical matters. Our bodies matter. Matter matters. We matter. God doesn't just want to save your soul. That's far too reductionistic for Paul. God wants to give you a resurrected life that begins now. And God promises to do for us what God did for Jesus. That someday we're promised to be in Jesus's presence with a brand new God bod. Okay, so here's good news. For those of us whose bodies are failing, and what I realized last night after playing, moving a little bit too much on a bad hip or two, my body is failing. For those of us who suffer the effects of disease, for those of us who experience any form of disability, for those of us weathered by a hard life, for those who suffer from the trauma of injustice, we are promised that someday we will be made whole again in every way, that we'll be transformed. Paul says the trumpet will sound and our perishable, frail, weak, and far from perfect bodies will put on immortality. That's the promise contained in the message that Paul is passing on. Now, I have a long list of ailing body parts, things that I can't wait for God to change about me, things that I long for God to make whole. We all probably can come up with this list. We all have these things we would love to have changed about us. But I know that when we ask what these God bods will look like, which, by the way, the Corinthians were asking that question. We just know something. We know that we're asking the wrong question. Because nobody on this side of life knows the answer to that question. But since I already asked, I'm going to show you what I'm hoping for. Here it is. There it is. There's my heavenly God bod right there. Now... I can dream, right? I'm, I'm allowed to dream. And I'm trusting that God is actually listening to my request. So there we go. <laughs> now, being more serious, how does this story of new life, how does it play out? How does it continue to shape and transform the world today? The answer is actually a really simple one. When God's people pass it on, we're being invited, welcomed into the Jesus story and God's ongoing creative action in the world. And we know if you participate 
In Light Shine Worship, you know that we say this all the time. This story includes us. It welcomes us. It invites us in. So not only do we recall the words of faith that have encouraged us, not only do we individually and collectively remember the people who have spoken these encouraging words to us, but we are being invited even deeper still into this ongoing story in order to be storytellers ourselves. We're being invited into the tradition of the apostles to become the next link in the chain as carriers of the story, as carriers of the good news, as witnesses to God's amazing love. And now this story needs to be passed on to future generations. So what legacy will we leave those who come behind? Paul's legacy, Paul's story was a simple one. He said Christ died. Christ was buried. Christ was raised the first fruits of those who have died. If Christ has been raised, then those in Christ will be raised as Jesus was. We will be changed. We will be transformed. And the end of that scripture and some beautiful poetry says that death will ultimately have lost its sting. This is the message of hope that has been passed on from the time of the apostles until it reached us. Will it stop there? We are being invited to pass it on. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this gospel message of hope and good news. That Christ died, but was raised. And that Christ was the first fruits of what is yet to come. That you have those same plans for all those who are in Christ. God, help us to... uh, to be innovative and adaptive in this unusual situation that we find ourselves in. That this story still needs to find ways to be passed on to people in our community, to our families, to the world, to those that come behind. God, help us to learn how to best be people that are willing to share that story. Help us to figure out and find ways to do that. God, we love you. We offer ourselves to you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, who died, was buried, and rose again. Amen.